Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. If you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. And uh, Kyle, we, last week we talked a little bit about the offense and things that we're looking forward to, some reasons for optimism looking forward. This week we wanted to focus on the defense, um, but before we get into that, there has been some significant news coming out of the Minnesota Vikings organization. Uh, we do have a hire at the GM position. Um, I know there's, it's hard to tell at this point because I think it's fair to say that you had no idea who this person was, uh, as did, neither did I, uh, a few weeks ago, but, um, from what you've read and from what you've heard over the last, last couple of weeks, um, what are your thoughts on, on this move? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you kind of get a sense of coaches easier, I would say, than you do with team executives. And it's obviously a lot more common to hear of uh, the general managers for opposing teams as opposed to um, even the high-ranking, high-level executives um, as uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa was with the Cleveland Browns. And so, yeah, I'll be lying if I said I knew a ton about him or I knew a ton about the other candidates before this process got started. And even now, it's not like I know a ton um, about him even. So what I will say is that, I mean, this is what the op- the offseason is about hope, right? And I think with this hire, there's some hope that the team is heading in a new direction, potentially has a new vision. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Rick Spielman's background was scouting, right? Like he kind of had that normal progression towards becoming an NFL general manager and that he worked his way up as a scout and, you know, so on and so forth. And there's several decades behind him. Whereas I think with Adolfo Mensa, you know, everyone's obviously talked about, you know, he played uh, basketball at Princeton and then uh, he's got the economics degree, I believe. And then he was a trader on Wall Street. Uh, he has master's at Stanford, thought about becoming a professor, um, you know, second guess, second guess or decided against it rather, uh, ended up uh, getting a start with the San Francisco 49ers doing research for them. And so in any case, he's taken this unusual progression toward kind of joining an NFL front office, right? Uh, but it's, it's definitely encouraging to finally know who the person is. And there's a fair bit of optimism. I thought his opening press conference with the Vikings was awesome. Uh, and I think it's just a lot of optimism. And I think now part of the optimism now too, in the sense is that we knew this was the first domino to fall. And so now we have our general manager, Adolfo Mensa, and he's going to have an opinion and, and a, a significant say in who the head coach is. And so now that that has been taken care of, the general manager that is, we can now progress towards the head coach option. So I, I just, I think for fans, Vikings fans, the sooner we can get to kind of a clear idea with the leadership, uh, the better, right? And then once the head coach is hired, which I assume, I mean, we're recording Friday. We always add in the caveat when we record and when it's going to be published. Uh, but we're recording Friday. It's possible that by Monday we'll know who the head coach is. It's possible something will happen over the weekend. It's possible it won't, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but once that head coach is in place, then you got to think then some other dominoes will fall in terms of the coaching staff. Um, like for instance, I don't believe Adam Zimmer has been fired yet, nor do I think Clint Kubiak has been fired yet. And I, I would be surprised 
very surprised if both stick around. But I think the Wilfs have been wise to let the incoming decision makers make those decisions. And so it, it just feels like that first domino has fallen. The second domino is very clearly a head coach. And then you're just kind of going to go from there. And then you can really start um, kind of overhauling the finances and progressing towards March 16th, I believe. March 16th, 3 p.m. Central time for Eastern time for free agency, right? So you got to be compliant with the cap, if I'm not mistaken, by that point. And then the ball is rolling, right? And, and then, then we're kind of fully into the offseason. We're, we're ready to roll. So I, I just think it's exciting. I, I don't know if this rambling answer conveys any sense of excitement. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, it, it does. And I think that uh, as this process went on, I know, um, again, we're just, we're reading from uh, people reporting the news uh, on, on these guys that, uh, again, we're, we're trying to figure out more information about them. Uh, I think for me, when I was just through the different snippets that I've read uh, over the past couple of weeks, I, I actually had sent you this tweet um, from uh, Darren Wolfson, who got a text from from an executive who worked with um, which worked with uh, I'm I'm calling him Cam. I think that that's uh, that's uh, easier to to pronounce, and will avoid me butchering his name. But uh, do want to learn how to pronounce it as, as time goes on here. But he he read the, or he said this text: uh, a brilliant, well-rounded leader with a great sense of humor and fantastic people skills. He's a natural collabor- collaborator that will build a culture of inclusivity and bring out the best of every perspective in terms of decision-making. The organization will be in great hands if he is the hire. Um, hard to read that and not feel pretty optimistic uh, and feel yeah. pretty excited about, about that. The collaboration seems to be a, a big deal, right, for the team. And, you know, as it should be. And, and uh, you know, one thing that came out in his press conference you know, fairly significant idea, fairly consistent idea that came out in a lot of his answers was the idea of like building consensus, right? So not just like, well, I'm the GM. So, you know, that's that. But like building consensus among the various folks who are contributing to these decisions and collaborating with his team and leaning on the strengths of his team. So I, I love that approach. And, and not, not that I necessarily think that Spielman was, you know, not doing this to a certain extent, but um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm very optimistic about how things are going to go. Yeah. Uh, one of the things just to wrap up the conversation that I was shocked at, uh, I don't know if you were aware of this before, but I, I know Skull uh, Smith, Cole, Cole Smith, who's been on our podcast a couple of times, tweeted out this fact that uh, this is the first time since the 1961 season that the GM and the head coach pairing in Minnesota will be tied together heading into their first off season. I did not know that. That is absolutely wild. That like I saw that and I was like, man, that is that is crazy. Like, not to say that like other things have, but like just like the fact that you have you're gonna have um, both the GM and the head coach coming together, brand spanking new at the very start of the offseason and ready to to make the changes that they both believe in. Um, sure. Heading sure. into the next season, that 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 to me feels uh, like a win as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good. Well. Um, well, you know what, I, I, to transition, I guess, as we look ahead, um, we, I guess we, when we recorded last, it was last Friday. And so we missed uh, last weekend's football games. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know the, the Packers lost and um, I know you're really deeply disappointed. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Just heartbroken about that. Um, <clears throat> but I think 
there's certainly some dominoes to fall in. And I know Aaron Rodgers is um, hard to understand, sometimes hard to predict. It just feels like you don't know what's happening, but there feels like there's a real sense of him um, potentially leaving. And I know it was kind of the same last offseason, at least it felt like it. Uh, and then everything worked out. And uh, I, I don't know, people are talking about Denver, whatever it may be. Um, if he does go, it's a significant opportunity for this new GM and for this Minnesota Vikings team next year to yep. be a significant player in the NFC North. Um, right. And I think right. that a, a major component of that is, uh, and I think a, a major component of making that happen will be this defense um, really turning it around because at this point, it certainly has been a weakness over the last couple of years. Um, yeah. And so I think that as we look forward, um, we do want to figure out and identify some of these reasons for optimism, these reasons for hope with this defense. And um, so I'll turn it over to you. I, I guess I'm curious for you, um, maybe as you look at what happened this, this past season, um, what from you, what, from, from what you've seen this year, what are you looking forward to um, as we, as we head into the 2022 season? Well, within the context of the division, I would say that, um, if the expected happens, which is to say uh, the Jordan, era, Jordan Love era begins, which we're all rooting for. <laughs> Every Vikings fan wants the Jordan Love era to begin. And who knows, maybe he'll be excellent as well. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, if that does happen, then the division certainly does feel uh, wide open, right? And, and it's not necessarily, the, you know, the Vikings are therefore going to be, you know, catapulted to the top of the, the standings in our division. But we'd have a far better shot at being at the top if Rodgers isn't there as opposed to if he is there. Now, what I will say to that, uh, to that idea is that, so over the cap recently published an article about what, um, what the Packers are going to, you know, do with their fine or what they can do with their finances during the off season. And based on what Jason Fitzgerald was saying, there's just no way. Uh, the roster they bring back next year is as talented as it is this year. So right now they're more than 40 million over the cap. And uh, of course they have that, you know, big decision to make with Aaron Rodgers. but keep in mind too, you know, Devonte Adams is a free agent, right? So if you tag that guy, that's 20 million, just a little, little bit, bit over 20 million. And so that puts you 60 some million over the cap. Now I'm not saying that they have no solutions, but what I, what I am saying is that the solutions will have to involve almost by necessity some cuts and or a trade or restructures, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, of course, not every player is willing to restructure and all that. So maybe Aaron Rodgers stays, maybe Devontae Adams stays. But then what does that mean for Zadarius Smith? What does it mean for Preston Smith? What does that mean for Randall Cobb? What does it mean, you know, kind of go down the line, various talented players who really do make a large impact for the Packers it's just hard to envision them being as talented uh, next season as they were this past season. And part of what really took the wind out of their sails was these significant injuries. They really did have a pretty complete roster um, apart from their special teams. That is their special teams was, has been horrendous the whole year. Um, and so it's kind of fitting in a sense to see the special teams let them down in the most important moments. Uh, so I will say there's, there's hope. There's hope. I mean, Chicago, like the Vikings, brand new GM, brand new head coach. And uh, we'll see what they can do. Vikings, obviously, in that situation. 
the Lions, I don't necessarily think are going anywhere, but they'll probably be better, you know, and, and they beat us this past year, right? Like it wouldn't be shocking to see them put together four, five, six wins, right? They're, they're building, they're ascending. Uh, they believe in their head coach, you know, their head coach gets most of the players. And then the Packers at the very least are going to be less talented. Uh, feel pretty confident saying that. And maybe even more than that, they might even be entering a bit of a rebuild depending on how things shake out. So we'll wait and see. The, the North feels wide open. It, it really does. It, um, like you mentioned this over the cap, like you've got the Saints who are just in an absolute like gong show here. Um, Unbelievable. Just Unbelievable. like, yeah. Like you, you kind of knew it was coming and like they had, they really like it was yeah. in a similar spot last offseason. They just they kind of punted the ball down the field and maybe they do exactly. that again. Um, yep. The interesting thing that I, I noticed is like the um, obviously there's different numbers on over the cap with the effective cap space with the actual cap space. There's two different numbers there. Um, and they also got the number of, of contracts beside that. And so yep. the Saints um, at their 75 roughish million over the cap have 56 contracts signed, but the Packers at, at their, uh, at their number fall second and they've got 41. Um, so like, yeah, there's right. some, there's some like significant work there. Um, yeah. I'd be, I'd be um, remiss to not mention that the Vikings are fourth, um, in terms of, uh, that lack of cap space. So it's not like can sit here on our high horse. Um, but there certainly is, yeah. it's, it's certainly, uh, a lot more manageable, to when you're talking about a, a 12, 13 number here rather than 40. Um, the only thing I'll say about that, and Sam is right, like it's not like we're in a, we don't have like the perfect cap. But one thing we do have is so, do we have a significant free agent that we just absolutely need to bring back? Probably not. Not, not someone at the level of Devontae Adams. And then number two, um, and again, not that the team wants to do this, but one move could fix the situation uh trading Daniel hunter would free up just under 15 million okay well the, the vikings are officially under the cap and officially have a couple million to spend trading Kirk cousins would free up 35 million okay well you're officially under the cap and you got about 27 to spend so in that sense i feel a lot better about it. not in that i necessarily want to trade hunter or cousins but like it does it doesn't seem like it's going to be too too challenging to to make those numbers work Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's certainly, you're certainly in a much, much better position. Um, yeah. And you mentioned the free agent, like for, for a variety of reasons. Um, there's certainly some options. So uh, I guess there, we we're both in agreement that, and I think it would be hard to find Vikings fans that aren't that the defense is certainly the side that needs the most work. Um, yes. Obviously if you trade Kirk Cousins, that dramatically impacts the offense uh, and then you're looking for a quarterback um but at this <laughs> yeah, point, that's right. Yeah, which, right which throws everything off um, sure yeah that's true but at this point uh the defense side uh, of the ball is what needs work and so I, I guess i'm curious for you like what do you see as maybe some potential building blocks there um with the understanding and, and knowing that um we're uh we're it doesn't even feel like we've really started the off season um yeah yeah, I mean the, the NFL offseason isn't doesn't begin proper until you know that that free agency date, right? Um, and then you get officially the new league year and all that. Um, it's tough to have a ton of optimism with the defense going forward because so much of their talent, their higher end talent, is older. Uh, you would probably feel 
not probably you would 100% feel uh, way more optimistic if Hunter wasn't lost for the season because then at least you can say we have a true top tier number one edge rusher who's in his mid to late 20s I think he's 26 right now maybe 27 uh, but still right in the middle of his prime and and you know that is kind of like your you know having that's like having your quarterback on offense it doesn't mean the offense is completely set doesn't mean it but like having that piece is just so foundational to what you want to do so the hunter situation is is obviously very very challenging in that he hasn't played very much at all over these past two seasons uh through no fault of his own he had the neck injury he had the pec injury and uh it's just really unfortunate so be curious to see what the vikings do with him uh otherwise you might find some optimism in that uh cameron bynum played reasonably well in his limited action and it's possible that he could be a solution for you at, at safety and so maybe you say, and even if they bring Harrison or Harrison Woods, uh, so Harrison Smith is obviously better and they have him for several more years because the extension. And then if they bring back Xavier Woods, who played 100% of the defensive snaps, he did not miss one single snap on defense this season. If you bring him back for something close to what he played for, which was not very much money at all, I think it was just a couple million, one or two million, then you probably feel okay about your safeties. You get a little bit of depth there. Then maybe Josh Metellus is your fourth, who's a core special teamer. You say, all right, Harrison Smith, Xavier Woods, Cameron Bynum, Josh Mertellis. You kind of feel all right about that, right? And then with Cameron Dantzler, it's really about um, staying focused, right? Like just kind of like dialing in. Like obviously you think of uh, the final play against the Lions when Detroit did come back. You know, that just appeared to be a play. That wasn't an issue with, you know, physically he's not talented enough. It's just mentally he made the wrong decision, right? And, and so um, kind of figuring out if he could be your your cb2 your, your second corner and that's great you know you, you spent a third round pick on a kid and he can be a long-term number two corner that's freaking excellent like that, that's, that's about as good as you could hope for i mean it'd be amazing if he was more than that but man a, a strong second corner is fantastic right so i think going forward next season you're probably saying okay the safeties have some potential to be you know rock solid to potentially very good it's unfortunate that safety is probably the least important position on a defense but you know there's some strength there and then along the d-line dalvin tomlinson did have a nice year armand watts did have a nice year and so you get some talent at d-tackle i can't imagine michael pierce comes back on his current deal if he does come back it'll have to be with a restructure that include, includes a pay cut because it's just the financial situation and the last year i was reading I think he only played 251 snaps, uh, which isn't even enough to, you know, kind of rank among the defensive tackles in PFF system. So he had strong numbers, but he just hasn't played, right? He opted out for COVID-19. And again, I don't blame him for that. He made his decision for his own health and like, I respect it. Uh, but then this season, more significantly or more concerning perhaps, is that he was out because of the injury, the elbow injury for really a long time. And, uh, you know, the Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson duo, there was really some optimism that they were going to make life extremely, extremely difficult for the opposition insofar as they could gobble up double teams and shut down the run game. And uh, we just didn't see them together very often at all. And, and the run defense was poor basically from start to finish. So there is talent at D-tackle. There is talent at safety. 
you know, Eric Kendricks, I would say is, is probably coming back, uh, but he's older, you know, in the same sense that like, you probably say your, your best players in the defense right now are Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith. We feel most confident in their abilities and their availability. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson too, but they're all veterans, right? Michael Pierce has been in and out. Daniel Hunter would be 100% your best, but he's been in and out. Um, Cameron Dantzler, there are concerns about, you know, his ability to play all 17 games, stay healthy, and then really dialing in, staying focused, especially in the most critical moments. And so I don't think the cupboard is completely empty when it comes to the defense, but it would be shocking if they, you know, if they somehow catapulted into, uh, um, you know, next year's top 10. Like, I, I don't see an elite defense in, in 2022. I mean, do you? Like, how optimistic are you feeling? Yeah, I don't see an elite defense, but I do see, like, I think the goal is to get into at least that mid-range of, like, if you can be, yes. you can be that 15 to 18 uh, ranked defense um, yep. and let the offense do its thing. Um, it significantly changes the way this team is. Um, I, I think one of the things that I'll say is that I do like watching uh, the Vikings at the end of the um, 2020 season versus the 2021 season. Like by the end of those seasons, um, there was both like there the playoffs were um, just a hope and a prayer away. It felt like things were it, it just wasn't didn't seem likely. Uh, and based on injuries and everything else, uh, you really get to see the depth of the team. And yep. I felt, uh, I, I definitely believe that there's certainly more optimism for the depth of the Vikings defense at this point than it was a year ago. Uh, you look at a guy like DJ Wanham, uh, like if he is your backup um, defensive end, like he, he led the team this, this year in sacks um, yep. and he's there. And like, I, don't, I think you're hoping like, for truly an effective uh, defensive end pairing, uh, hoping that Hunter's healthy, or if, if he's not, then you got to figure out uh, a few things. Uh, but if DJ Wanham's your your the guy coming off the bench, um, I think there's a lot of lot of optimism there. Um, I, and I, I guess the the one thing I'll say uh, out of the players you mentioned, like Cameron Dantzler, to me feels like the greatest X factor on this. Yes. Yeah. Like it feels like there is like the potential is there and like he's mm -hmm. he's young like he like there's Very still young. yeah still yep. so much room to progress and like we like for this defense to really uh hit a stride like you're looking for these internal improvements um guys that just come back better uh the following year and and like you i don't know about you i was thinking about this uh this morning actually like the, the Lions game um, with the dancer mistake felt like the biggest heartbreaking loss of the season. Yeah, um, that was a gut punch. That was a gut punch. Yep. And, and like just to see all of the dynamics around it, like one is the Lions, um, two <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. dancer was there, like three, just what the way that the team got themselves uh, into the game and everything. It just, um, it, those, those are opportunities to, to learn um, and hopefully you actually look back and you say, you know what, like this Vikings team probably wasn't going to do anything in the playoffs uh, as much as yeah. you hoped for. Like yeah. I, and like the playoffs, it's a crapshoot sometimes, but like realistically, like it would have been hard for this Vikings team to do a whole lot. And some ways maybe you look back on that, that lions game and that mistake. And you think, you know what, this is actually, this is the best thing for his development and that he made this, this mistake and he's learned from it. And, and uh, he, he comes back and his focus is, is more dialed in mentally yeah um 
I, I, uh, I do think, like you said, if he's, if he can be the, uh, cornerback too, uh, and, and be mm-hmm. a consistent mm-hmm. player and, and be, uh, use all the skills. Cause like just, there's a lot of physical tools there. Um, that would be, that would be a major win for this team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with that in the sense that like, like, I don't, I know the, the concern physically in that, like, was that he wasn't fast enough coming out of college. And I don't believe he's a burner in the sense that like, we remember Trey Waynes who could just fly, you know, you watch like Dan Kizuna on special teams as a gunner, like, man, that good dude can move. He's like a racehorse. Um, yeah, Dan Kizuna is fast, but in any case, um, Cameron Dancer, I, I think can be a good NFL corner. Right. But I, and part of it too is like you know Zim's coaching style is not going to mesh with every player, right? Like he's pretty gruff, he's pretty crusty, and just, you know moreover his scheme isn't always going to mesh with every corner. So it's entirely possible that whoever the new defensive coordinator is, I would think that Andre Patterson would at least get considered, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's possible that a new coach with a new message and a new way of communicating with the players and teaching the players and then a new set of responsibilities within the scheme. And now all of a sudden Cameron Dantzler just flourishes. And if that's the case, you know, then you're, you're on something. Now you get some strong safeties. Now you feel really good about one, one corner spot, you know, the D tackles again, they have talent. Right. And then if this is a huge, if, if there's some sort of solution with Daniel Hunter and he comes back and he plays well and he's healthy, um, I would guess what the Vikings will try to do is to rework his deal and include some significant um, incentives, both statistical as well as, you know, playing time and availability and that kind of thing as a way of basically saying like, we, you know, we, we value so highly. We just, we also can't have so much of our budget uh, invested in a player who's not going to play. Right. So, and, and it's not like it's his fault. Uh, but I would, I would guess that it gets reworked and, and there are tons of incentives based off playing time and various statistical measures. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so with Hunter, if Hunter is back and those D tackles, even if you just have Armand Watts and, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, Eric Hendricks, a linebacker, like there are some kind of foundational pieces there that you can really build around, you know, and as you were saying with DJ Wanham, you know, I don't believe DJ Wanham is going to be in the league defensive end in the NFL, but it's very possible he's a rock solid, strong depth defensive end. You know, and they also have Patrick Jones, who was just drafted this past year, who's a rookie, and then Janarius Robinson missed the year. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that you have these young, these young defensive ends. You get that young depth in the same sense that at linebacker, you know, you have Troy Dye and Blake Lynch, et cetera, et cetera. So you have kind of young depth there uh which is a good thing and then you also have some foundational pieces f- at least for defense for next year in eric kendrick Stephen tomlinson harrison smith um Dino hunter hopefully armand watts i love armand watts um so it's not like there is zero talent here it, it's conceivable that you could do things well in the draft and do things well in free agency and have like you're saying 15 to 18 range if this defense is around 15-ish, I think you feel pretty good about that, especially if that involves being really good at one thing in the sense of like 
man, I just want them to be able to shut down the opposition's run game. It's so disheartening to see other teams run on us like they did. Um, or maybe just be like elite, elite, elite in terms of their pass rush or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I think mid-tier is, is the goal. And, and then catapulting the, I've used that word a lot, this, uh, this podcast, but catapult. In any case, seeing the offense ascend into like elite category. If the offense gets the top, top tier, and the defense gets to good, average to good, then I think he might have something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I it does feel like there, like you can see, you can see a path forward. Um, yes, exactly. Which, which is encouraging. Like if there was, like it's like you know what, we got to really like find eight mm-hmm. pieces here. Um, and I think you you mentioned like there, there's just there's a few different ways that this team is going to get better with other it's these draft picks this year, or like you mentioned it, it seems like with this Vikings team, like often um, they're like, sometimes these second year guys uh, are really ones that, that take that next step. Um, yeah. And there's, there's some potential there. So like, it just, it does feel like you can see multiple ways that this defense gets better. Um, and the question really is how much better um, they are. Cause I know that through a lot of statistics, they were very poor um defense this year like ranking like very yep. near the bottom i don't think it that accurately reflects this defense i think it was more like there just seemed to be some real um the, the, at, at times the defense looked good average um but at times they're just situationally it was very poor um and mm-hmm. that impacted the the stats and if this team um yeah can just build off of where they are uh, and also just making sure that um, you're not giving up points every time that like you're going into the half. Um, exactly. Yep. The like able to make these these stops. Um, at the end of the day, you just got to win. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And and th- those are the plays like the and the we, we saw this this past weekend um, in the what a, what was a fantastic weekend of football. Um, yeah. Just the way that like you just it often comes down to one play. Um, and uh, the teams that that do well make that play, and the teams that don't don't. So, um. literally every single game from not this past weekend, because the time it comes that will be post championship weekend. But literally every single game from the divisional round, I suppose, one play. You know that that was it. That was it, right? Like so, and I think you know, as Sam mentioned this earlier, if the Vikings did squeak in as a wild card, and if they did. Um, you know, get through the wildcard weekends. It would have been very shocking to see them be able to, you know, hang in one of those games, uh, be good enough to actually have that back and forth. Um, I just don't think it was there this year. No, no, and that's fair. Like, I think we you obviously can be optimistic about it, but I think it, as we look back and take a step back and realistically watch and watch these teams that have had success, um, you see that this team has some, some things they need to do before they get, get to that next level. And you look at both within the conference, you got San Francisco and, uh, and the Rams, like both those games, like the Vikings were in them, but it just, it felt like they were just a step behind of, of both those teams. And I don't think it's maybe necessarily accurate that those are the two best teams in this conference, but at the same time, they were the ones that made it on and, and, um, yeah, you, they need to get, they need to get better. And, uh, I think there's multiple options moving forward, which is, which is exciting. 
I will say with the Rams. So I, I picked the Rams as my Super Bowl pick. And maybe on Monday I'll be regretting that. It's possible they'll lose, obviously, this weekend. But it just strikes me that their defense is built for the playoffs. They just have a collection of pass rushers. And then Jalen Ramsey can, can match up on a one, you know, one-on-one with a receiver, a number, not just a receiver, but the other team's number one wide receiver. That, to, like, at this point in the year, just seems so incredibly valuable. And so if I were to hope for anything for the Vikings going into the offseason, I mean, obviously I mentioned the run defense, but in terms of personnel and how they want to kind of go about their business, I would love to see them make an effort to collect pass rushers. And if they could find a true top-tier corner, which if you're going to do that, you're probably going to have to pay a lot of money in free agency, but a true top-tier corner and a full collection of pass rushers, man, that, that to my mind is the way to do it right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. To check in on that, we I know you picked the Rams and you picked KC, right? Um, if I'm not, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was I picked uh, Kansas City versus LA, the LA Rams, that is. And I think I have the Rams winning it all. So yeah. I'm still yeah. still in the running. And I have I have Kansas City winning it all. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it comes down to and I think very plausible it would be uh, a Rams uh, Kansas City finals. Um, who do you uh, who do you pick on the other end from the NFC? I picked Green Bay and <laughs> I, uh, you know what, it was a win-win because if they won, then I was right. And if they lost, it was, uh, they lost yeah. in spectacular fashion. Yeah, so that, that's, that's true. That's, I'm that's... edging my bets or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I will We're... say that my, my, just, I'm going to, my fan vote in the AFC was, uh, was Cincinnati as well. And, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's been like, I, I'm thrilled that it's a it's it's a Kansas City uh, Cincinnati um, finals. I think that would be good. I, I I have a hard time thinking, and it's it's going to be interesting because everyone listening to this will have watched the games by the time that um, this has come out. But I, yeah. I have a hard time thinking the games this weekend will be as good as the games last weekend, just because there's no way um, <laughs> it's going to be tough that. to top those games. Yeah, um, yeah. But I I wouldn't be disappointed in the slightest to see Cincinnati. Um, go on to the Super Bowl. Like really sure. I, I'm sure. cheering for whoever um whoever comes out of the AFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. True enough. True enough. That's that's uh I, I think part of me is cheering for the Rams. Yeah, you know I honestly I do find myself cheering for the Rams, not just because I picked them, but because I like I just think Aaron Donald is so sensational. And I kind of feel like it'd be nice if he did get a ring. And I also think that Matthew Stafford went through a lot with Detroit. And I'd also, like, I know there's our division rival and whatever, but I'd be happy to see Stafford get one. Yeah. I, I really would. I like, I like Matt Stafford. Yeah. He, it, it, there is a lot of, a lot of really good stories on that side uh, mm-hmm. on, for, for them to, to win. I, yeah, I just, regardless, it's, um, it has been a lot of fun to watch football lately. And hopefully, uh, we're talking about the Vikings still at this point next year. Yeah. Yeah. True enough. Uh, good. Well, we can wrap up there. I don't know if you have any parting words. We'll, we'll skip the, the wild update today. Um, considering we're, we're recording a few days early. Um, yeah. Any, uh, last words of wisdom, any, uh, plugs to make? Yeah. I guess the only plug would be to pop over to purplePTSD.com If you're interested in written stuff. Uh, you can feel free to head over there if you like, uh, or don't do what you like, I suppose. Otherwise, um, you know, I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend and, and a good week ahead and that everyone's staying safe. And 
you know, hopefully we know who the head coach is soon. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very possible, probably not by the time this is released, but very shortly after it feels like announcements coming kind of Monday, Tuesday. So uh, we will uh, look forward to that. Anyways, take care, everyone. Have a good week.